Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And if you stop it, there you can pinpoint the exact moment where heart rips in half. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, guys, my name is Rory and I'm joined by my very good friend. Adam. Hey, Rory. How are you this fine evening? Um, personally, all I'm going to say is I've started to watch Sunland Till I Die and bear myself for that final episode where I'm sure I'll be reminded of that crushing moment at Wembley as a Wickham Wanderers fan. But yeah, let's get back to the original question. How are you this fine evening? That's something until I die. Um, only three episodes. Disappointing. Yes. But yeah, I would say watch it from behind your sofa, Adam, because that last episode <laughs> yeah. is... It got me super emotional, I'll be honest. Um, but yes, I am good. Um, and the keen-eared may have noticed that if the opening line for the show was in reference to... Jamie Carragher's reaction to the Kylian Mbappe news um, that he might, mm. might be interested in joining Arsenal. Carragher's relationship with Arsenal is getting worse and worse, right? It feels <laughs> like there's a real a real chip growing on the shoulder there. But I did really enjoy Thierry Henry's reaction of just, what are you looking at me for? <laughs> yeah. like, which, obviously, just reading far too much into it, now I'm like, oh yeah, that means Mbappe's coming because Thierry's been talking to him every yeah, single clearly. day and he's trying not to give it away. He's like double bluffing, yeah, right? Yeah. He's double bluffing and that means I can I can now get Mbappe on the back of my Arsenal shirt next season. I can't <laughs> wait, right? It's going to be great. I think it'll be fascinating to see if he ever actually does sign for Arsenal. I, I think it's a tad bit optimistic, perhaps, but yeah, those comments kind of give you a glimmer of hope, don't they, Rory? And it's, it's, it's the hope that keeps you going <laughs> yeah. in, in football, right? It's the hope that keeps you going and kills you, right? Exactly. That's an awful thing about hope. But yes, in general, I'm very, very good. Um, lots of football to talk about, really. Return of the Champions mm. League, return of the Cool Kids Club, and the even cooler Kids Club is still going on as we speak. We've had the first round of games, so we'll yes. maybe cast an eye over some of them. But the later round of games are still mm-hmm. going on as we speak. But this week, we are going to be talking about um, Kylian Mbappe and PSG in the Champions League. We'll be talking about Lazio maybe taking the first step to a huge yeah. upset in the tournament. We'll be talking about votes in Serie A, um, maybe managers in trouble, yeah. breaking rules. And of course, the big news that... Um, well, regarding Roy Hodgson, Crystal Palace, mm-hmm. and Oliver Glasner. So lots, lots to talk about. Um, Adam, anything I've missed before we go for a break? I think that's it. So let's get into it. Let's do it. We will see you on the other side. 
And here we are. It's time for the Euro review. And there's only one place to start. And that is in the Champions League. And we're going to be starting with, in the capital, let's talk about Lazio 1, Bayern Munich 0. Now, I think most people expected Bayern Munich to kind of breeze through this game or make it slightly more comfortable. I know that Bayern Munich, obviously, and we're going to talk about it, are having their issues in their domestic league. Issues with Thomas Tuchel, issues with Thomas Muller, issues with Manuel Neuer. It's all kind of going wrong at the club. But even with that being, uh, with, even with that being said, for Lazio, this is a huge win. This huge, is like a big yeah. statement. This makes it now 11 clean sheets at home which is the highest in all of Europe's top five leagues, which is a pretty mental stat, considering that usually Saudi's teams are hmm. kind of associated with more attacking verve, more kind of like um, uh, gung-ho tactics. Sure. It's kind of interesting that he's managed to build such a solid defense and such a solid unit at the back, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think for context as well, prior to kickoff, he was away or he had a few players missing from this particular match. So the likes of Nicolo Casali, who he was going to have alongside Ragnoli, was obviously out for this match. Matthias Zikanyi was also missing because he couldn't kind of work off his fire strain. And the same was said with Nicolo Urovella as well. So, you know, three, I would say, key starters for this match uh, missing. So... Yeah, Sarri had to think about using his kind of tactics and, you know, style of play to really overcome this Bayern Munich side. Um, there is going to be obviously a lot of element around Bayern Munich and the fact that they're not in the greatest form. Um, if you look at the previous match, obviously they lost to the kind of rivals in the title race in Bayern Leverkusen. So that was massive in terms of momentum going into this match. Um, but that said, Rory, I mean, look, Bayern Munich, I feel, offered quite a lot in this match, you know, in terms of possession and shots on goal. They had quite a lot, obviously not on target, it's been reported, but, you know, a lot of those opportunities weren't far off. And, you know, Provedal, mm -hmm. yes, he didn't have to do a huge amount, but I think there was a lot of moments where you could have been a bit squeamish, where you, if one of those goes in the right direction, could be a different match, but huge credit to Lazio for the way they went about it. Obviously, roared by that crowd. Uh, it was incredible what the Lazio fans did to kind of spur them on. Um, and yeah, like we said, I mean, I think there was moments in this match that helped them. You know, obviously, that sending off for Upamecano, which leads to the penalty decision. And then obviously, Chiro Mobile, I think the underrated strike across Europe because of his record. And if the, he'd done this consistently in the Champions League, I don't think a lot of people would be writing him off. Um, but, you know, superb result for Lazio. I think the question for me, Rory, I, I feel 1-0 is not enough. Um, and it's going to be a mm. huge ask to kind of maybe go there and shy out or maybe play out for another 1-0 win. Um, but... I mean, credit to Sari and the way Lazio went about it. I mean, initially, were you shocked at this result? I was genuinely surprised, mm. honestly. And I know, like like we said, Bayern Munich, it's all kind of going pretty wrong. It feels like Tuchel is a dead man walking. I'm surprised that he's not really been put out of his misery mm. yet. Even, even if you look back at like how they won the league last season, it was only an all-time Dortmund being Dortmund 
that meant that Bayern Munich won the league, mm-hmm. right? If if Dortmund go out and they're sensible, they win the like they win the league there. But of course, they were unable to do that. So I think even that title win was kind of helpful for Tuchel, right, or mm-hmm. helpful for Bayern. Yeah, and like it covered it, it covered over a lot of cracks. So I think we probably thought Bayern were in a better state than they were. But again, despite all that being said, I still expected them to probably get a 2-0, two, 2-1 two two win here and just get it back to the Allianz. I do think you're right that a one-goal lead isn't probably going to be enough. I mean, I think Maurizio Sani basically said the same thing as yeah. well and was like, we 1-0 is not enough <laughs> to defend. But it's a huge statement win for Lazio. Yeah. It's a huge, like... Because I don't think many people really expected them to get through the group, if you know what I mean. I think it was, or people thought they might struggle to get through the group. But they got through relatively comfortable in the end, I suppose. And I think it's just a statement for them and Mm. a sign of the progress that that Sadi is is having under Lazio. We know they're having a disappointing season in Serie A, but Milinkovic-Savic is a very difficult player to replace. They're not getting those goals from midfield anymore. Immobile's been injured most of the season. He's come back and he's Mm -hmm. scoring again like he does. Um, This goal now means that he's hit double figures in all eight of his seasons at Lazio. So that's his 10th goal of the season. So again, just one way, just when he's in the team, he scores. So I think it's just a really good sign of progress at Lazio. Not quite the Scudetto uh, race I had them down for, (laughs) but a very, very good win. And... With the mess that Bayern are in and with the general mood around the camp, if ever there's a time to go to the Allianz and win, I think this might be the year. So I think Lazio can take a lot of credit for a lot of um, encouragement mm-hmm. from this yeah, yeah. and don't have to be scared. They don't have to go there and be like, right, like they can actually go for it and be like, you know, sure. let's, let's just see what happens. I think one player in particular, now he got man of the match, uh, the UEFA man of the match as well. Um, and he's one part of the ex-Arsenal players currently trying to ruin Harry Kane's career, <laughs> um, Matteo Genduzzi. I was just so happy to do him to see him doing well. I know that, like, as a personality, he's completely bipolar and a real pain in the arse, and it was never going to work with Arteta. But as a player, in those dark days at Arsenal with Emery or whatever. He was one of the players that was super exciting, always gave absolutely everything for the shirt Mm. and was like just a dynamo in midfield. And I'm just happy to see him kind of finding a home, finding a club that Mm. kind of suits his basket case personality. (laughs) And I think in this game, he just absolutely ran things defensively. He won like all of his duels, Mm. won all his tackles, he was just stopping everything in midfield. And then as he was always capable of doing, his line-breaking passes and his forward passes are just so incisive, so yeah. quick. Then there's such a good player in there. Um, it's just about managing him. But I just think seeing him play so well, I was just really happy for him. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was just a really notable performance in the, on, a, on the big stage. Yeah, like, yeah. And he's still... Because there was a lot of like accusations of immaturity and stuff, and I'm sure that is still there. But if he has performances like this on a regular basis, Lazio have got a really good buy there. Because well, he did well when he was in Marseille as yeah, well. Yeah, right? I was Marseille. just going to say, it's probably he, the opposite of immaturity now. He's matured, doesn't he? I think he's mm-hmm. started to found yeah, yeah. his rhythm a bit more. Um, yeah, there was always those signs of promising signs, should we say, of a player in there, right? And like you allude to, I think it was just his being level-headed, you know, probably just understanding where, when he can do things and when he should pull out of it. I mean... He was very emotional. It's fair to say he was very emotional when he was at Arsenal. And I think that 
kind of tarnished his reputation to an extent. Um, yeah. Obviously, going to Marseille was another basket case of a club, but maybe they both suited each other in that respect. And yeah, some people the fact just is, thrive on yeah. the chaos. Some people thrive on. I think with Arteta, it was obviously never ever going to work. No. I, I think the second there was that Brighton game where he was saying to Mopai, like, "Who are you? How much do you earn?" <laughs> I just think Arteta was like, "Yeah, we don't need we you don't at this club." Yeah. But it was a fantastic performance from him. I really, really hope he continues to do really well because yeah. I genuinely have a, have a soft spot for him. But for Bayern, um, it, this is kind of last chance saloon for Tuchel now because it looks like the Bundesliga is slipping out of their fingers. Yeah. Now, obviously, I think Leverkusen are still unbeaten, right? Yes, like still not unbeaten. Lost, they haven't lost a game. They've not lost a game. This was three, meant to be... Yeah, they are unbeaten. Yeah. This was meant to be their hardest game of the season. They go away to Bayern, win it, um mm-hmm. and easily right yeah, yeah. not even like three nil flattered by munich like it could have yeah, been a lot a lot more worse. um for tuchel this is if if they don't turn this around where do buy and go from here because harry kane was supposed to be the last piece in this mm-hmm. jigsaw he was we know that their defense like they still don't have the jao palina right they still don't have that defensive no. ball winning ball winning midfielder but this squad should be doing a lot better than it is, right? Yeah, 100%. I think even in that particular match, we saw probably the worst game that I've ever seen Kim play for, you know, Bayern Munich. Um, but yeah, there's there's been for months and, you know, weeks rumblings around Tuchel and the fact that he's not getting the kind of buy-in necessarily from the team and supporters. And I know he even did a kind of interview with Archie Rintutz. I saw the clip, which was basically Archie kind of asking him, do you think if you were in England, you would get this amount of like abuse that you're getting in Germany? And he says, no, because I think you were much more understanding of the long-term project. And this feels like, you know, with Germany, especially Bayern Munich, you have to deliver quite yeah. quickly. They, You know, you only have to see Niko Kovac's reign. You know, he won the Bundesliga, but only just, but nothing else. Yeah, yeah. And that was probably maybe very similar circumstances in terms of the quality of team that he had available to him. I think Tuchel wants to kind of evolve that kind of style of play. And I think a few of those players have been very relaxed. If you look at the way they kind of progressed under Nagelsmann, for example, and prior to that, Hansi Flick. Hansi Flick obviously got them a lot of glory at that point. But I think, well, I wonder if that that point, maybe they needed to transition a lot more, potentially move on mm. some of the players. I mean, you only have to look at Joshua Kimmich in this particular match. And he's not the Joshua Kimmich that kind of came into that midfield. He's not the same player. Leon Goretzka, again, someone that I think really highly of, but he's just not performing mm-hmm. as well. So uh, I think there's a few question marks. Obviously, Musiala, at the beginning of the season, I thought, you know what? He's a player that is the alternative to Jude Bellingham. I mean, he's someone that mm-hmm. you want on your team. And again, in this match, I wouldn't say it was been that inspiring. I think this is the problem that Bayern Munich have, is that kind of blend of players and keeping that balance right. And... You know, I think at times Thomas Muller is that kind of equilibrium sometimes for them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's worrying times for Bayern Munich. Um, but, you know, they've got so many great players. That's the thing, Rory. They just need to find someone that can bring harmony. Maybe it's not too cool. Maybe they need to think of yeah. a different manager. But I'm not necessarily saying they've that They've changed managers bad. a lot no, recently as well. It feels like they've they've gone through a lot mm. of managers recently and maybe they do need to just 
stick with someone yeah, for long for a while. Like it feels like it's been upheaval there for a very long time, and the the success of just winning the Bundesliga has kind of hidden those sins, mm. I suppose. Um, but yeah, I don't feel like it's the right fit with Tuchel. I feel like he should be getting a lot more out of that squad, and I feel like even the interview seeing Thomas Muller losing yes, shit yeah. in the post in the post match conference. Thomas Muller, I don't think I've ever seen unhappy. <laughs> And for him to be like losing his yeah. shit, you're like, okay, not everything is right in the changing room. Not everything is going well. And we know that in the past, Tuchel has lost dressing rooms very, very quickly. Like when he yeah. was at Dortmund, I think he lost it pretty yeah. quickly. Um, PSG. So he's got a bit of a track yeah. record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And I think he's got a bit of a track record of this happening. So I think maybe it's um, time for him to to be relieved of his duties. But I'm not sure who, who Bayern Munich go for. I'm not sure what their plan is. But... If Lazio dumped them out of the Champions League, and I think that's almost certainly Ducal yeah. done. So it will be a lot riding on this last leg, a lot riding True. on the final leg of this one. Um, but let's leave that one there. Congratulations again to the Ilaziali, an incredible win there. Um, and let's go to the other big story of the week, I suppose, in the Champions League. PSG 2, Sociedad 0. Mm. Um, of course, Kylian Mbappe opening the scoring. I felt really bad for Sociedad. They played... Sorry, Real Sociedad. There was a journalist this week who says you can't just call them Sociedad. Sociedad yeah. um, I feel really bad for Real Sociedad. They played so, so well first half. They played really well. They just couldn't get a goal. Couldn't get like... And I feel like if they got the first goal, we know what PSG are like in the Champions League. They get in their heads, right? Yes. And I feel like if Real get that first goal, then it's a completely different game. They were amazing first half. PSG was super passive. But then second half, it was never going to be the same. Luis no. Enrique kind of fired a rocket up them and was like, would you like to press? Would you like <laughs> to try and win the ball? And then all of a sudden, Mbappe and of course, Bradley Barcola, a player that mm. lots of people are getting very excited about, got the goal. It kind of feels like this tie is over now, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, if you look at the form of Real Sociedad leading into this match as well, it hasn't been great in terms of that league campaign. Um, it's fair to say that they've had a few issues with injuries as well. Um, and yeah, that kind of form that they kind of started this Champions League campaign has kind of evaded them. And um, yeah, PSG, I think it was just quality on the day. You know, look, they've got the experience, the nous. When you've got a play like Mbappe, who's just gunning for it at the moment, you can see in terms of his play and how he was approaching that particular game, he was determined to do something. But yeah, you've kind of taken my thunder when we're talking about Bradley Barakula. Um, Yeah, he looks an exciting talent. The way he was kind of very kind of penetrative with his pace. I mean, he was just scary with that. Showing that kind of promise because at the beginning when he was brought in from Lyon earlier this season, a lot of um, PSG fans weren't too com- complimentary about him and the way he was playing. So I think it was that period of getting used to kind of the style and the way that they wanted him to play. Um, but yeah, in this match, he kind of tore that right back and uh, constantly mm. a menace down that kind of left-hand side for PSG, which I think is going to be interesting to see how that evolves because, you know, you've got certain players that will come back to PSG next season as well. So yeah, obviously I, I won't steal your thunder when we're talking about the key story of rounds a certain Mr. Mbappe, but when we're talking about this particular game, I think it's fair to say they are definitely already, you know, they can say they're already through to the next round, right? Um, but do you know what? Don't disregard Real Sociedad. I think they will give a bit of a game at their place. And mm-hmm. um, 
let's see. I mean, look, they've got nothing to lose. They This has been a great adventure for them. Unfortunately, they've been paired up with a big side. So let's see what they can do in Sociedad. But um, big ask, I would say, Rory. Big ask. Yeah. No, I still think going to um, going to Bilbao is going to be... It's going to be interesting, mm. uh, or San Sebastián. Sorry, it's going to be it's yeah. going to be uh, it's it's going to be a cauldron there. And I think if Real Sociedad do manage to get the first goal again, if they manage to get yeah. the first goal, then maybe there's a bit of a game on because again, PSG they get into their heads. They sure. usually implode in Europe, so I feel like they could it could be worth an outside two pound fifty bet or something <laughs> on this being an upset, just in case. Don't put too much on it, but I reckon there is a slight chance of it because as we've seen. With Sociedad, if they can, they've not scored in their last four games. And no. It's just like they're, they've just their scoring boots have ran out mm. at the wrong time. Um, like even Andre Silva has been struggling, and but yeah. again, Kubo in this game was fantastic. He's a player that's just so so such mm. a threat every single time. But again, Sociedad just couldn't get that final touch, couldn't get no. the killer touch to get to um, to get control mm. of the game. But if we look at PSG and of course Kylian Mbappe, um, kind of quickly ish. This is his last chance, really, to try mm-hmm. and do it with PSG, it looks like, right? This is yeah. kind of, it's now or never. Um, if he goes to Real, then he will almost certainly win the Champions Yeah. He will certainly win the Champions League with Real Madrid. Right? They'll win it for 10 years in a <laughs> row if they get him, I imagine. But um, for PSG, do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing that Mbappe's leaving? Because I think there could be that... Um, kind of the theory, I can't remember what basketball player it's named after, but the theory of when he left, the team got better. Yeah. So like when you have yeah. one player who's just the best guy, mm. they leave and then the team gets better. Do you think there's any chance of that for PSG? Because I feel like they're yeah. trying to lean more towards this, not having superstars, yeah. trying to yeah. get a kind of proper team together. Mm. Do you think Mbappe going could actually be a blessing in disguise? I think it could be a catalyst here. I think, you know, they've been for years, they've got this production line in their youth academy that seems to be, you know, spitting out these really talented players that they've never integrated into their first team, which has been Mm. baffling, really. And if you think about the way they've approached it this season, it's definitely been a bit more sustainability-wise. Obviously, not too many big expenditures. I mean, by their standards, I would say, because don't forget they did spend a hundred million on Kulo Morani as well um, this season. True. So, and they got Osman Dembele as well on a free, didn't they? Um, but wages wouldn't have been uh, small, shall we say? Um, but yeah, I, I genuinely feel like this could be a blessing because sometimes I think his arrogance gets in the way of how they mm-hmm. do things. And certainly there's been this kind of over-reliance that he's the man, he's the one that has to lead. And sometimes that's been to their benefit, right, Rory? I think that's been kind of, you know, when you want someone to turn up on the big stage, you want that big player. Um, but over the last few seasons, you can see that the amount of stars that they've had has got in the way of them progressing as a team. And I think for once, they're starting to realise that you have to have the right team as opposed to having individual brilliances mm-hmm. like your Messi's, like your Neymar's, etc. And I, I'll i be critical. I've never been a big fan of Neymar, but on his day, he could turn it on. But I, for me, oh, yeah, he was yeah. just never consistent enough. I think even in his he Barcelona days, he was there. There was signs of it, but it just never kind of matured when he made mm-hmm. a move. And that's where I think they were kind of drawn to is that they need to get superstars into their team almost like follow through of the Galacticos kind of era that you saw at Real Madrid whereas actually I think that was a different kind of Galacticos they were individually really good players on their kind of areas so for example Vigo, Zidane Mm. 
yeah, you could get them to fit. Even those players, they adapted to that team. And that's the difference. But they also didn't win as much as you'd expect. No, they them to should win. have. They also won didn't win that much. They should have won more. Yeah, that's so. I think the, there's a theory that yeah, it was trying to follow that model wasn't a no. good idea in the first place. Because when I remember, I, I guested on a pod um, a few, maybe a few years ago now, where we were talking about the Galacticos, and when we looked at their trophy cabinet, we were like. They didn't actually no. win that much. Like they won like a league title and a Copa del Rey. Like there really wasn't that much there. So yeah, maybe um, it'll be interesting to see how PSG deal with it. Obviously, they won't be getting a lot of money. They won't be getting no. any money. Um, so it's not like they can reinvest that. But I do feel like maybe there'll be a focus away from um, just buying big new shiny yeah. things. And it could be a big opportunity for Barcola, as we talked about. Yeah. Maybe with. With Mbappe not there, he becomes the main guy. They still spent 50 million on him, right? Mm. So it's definitely not cheap. Um, so maybe it could be a big opportunity there. But it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Um, sure. I, of course, hope that Thierry Henry is on the phone to him every <laughs> single day. Um, just just checking, just checking, because sure. we need to squeeze every little bit of credit we can get out of Thierry Henry being at Arsenal, True. because I think it's running out. That generation's starting to get older, so we need to take yeah. advantage before we can. Um I know it's not going to happen. I know he's going to go to Real Madrid and I know Real Madrid are going to win everything for the next 10 years because you look at that team, that midfield, Chouameni, Bellingham and Camavinga and then you've got Vinicius, Rodrigo and Mbappe. Um, Don't forget Yosselu. And Yosselu, of course. <laughs> and Yosselu. Well, you know, yeah, will Mbappe get the starting spot? I know, it's right? going to be a tricky That'd one, be quite right? funny. <laughs> competition for places um but yeah obviously it's gonna be real madrid it's very predictable isn't it but um good elsewhere in the champions league very quickly a fantastic performance from phil foden again mm-hmm. um for man city as they won 3-1 against copenhagen and uh, copenhagen looked like they put up a bit of a bit of a fight yeah. made us believe for a second before of course man city just steamrolled <laughs> job done there really i also kind of forgot that that was the first competitive game copenhagen have yeah. played since the last game in the champions league knockout in group stage they really were on a hide into nothing i think um and then real madrid won leipzig nil speaking of teams that didn't take their chances leipzig i'm not sure how they didn't score in this mm. game um they had so many chances. The Seshko goal being ruled yes. out as well was slightly controversial. But Real Madrid got the goal. Brahim Diaz getting the goal before, of course, injuring himself. Um, but a huge win for Real Madrid considering they were not at it. No, yeah, this is true. They were obviously missing Jude Bellingham amongst others in this squad. Um, Lunin, who was in the Real Madrid goal, the Ukrainian, um, superb for this match. Had to pull off some yeah. incredible saves just to keep them into it. Um, but yeah, when you think Tushomeni was the centre-back, which is just yeah, mental, because yeah, yeah. that shows you how poor... And he was really good. He was very good. He was really good He filled well. in really well. Um, yeah. But yeah, that shows you how bad the injury crisis is at Real Madrid at the moment, because obviously they're missing David mm-hmm. Alaba, they're missing, obviously... Yeah. Um, forgotten his name but the Chelsea centre-back that was there uh, Rudiger that's it oh, Rudiger. Um, yeah. so yeah yeah look fantastic result from a Real Madrid perspective Leipzig will be kicking themselves especially Benjamin mm-hmm. Sesko because not only was it that header he had a few other opportunities which he yeah. probably should do better 
you know get them on target for example um mm-hmm. so yeah they'll be kicking themselves um just one word on that copenhagen one i do feel for them because yeah that's like a pre-season and being told by the way we've got man city who have just been playing 10 games ago so yeah it's never yeah. easy or fun and i think to be fair they played it in the right manner as well in fairness um but yeah it's just match sharpness wasn't it at the end of the day that was the difference yeah. between the two sides yeah, and it's Man City hitting full flow as well, isn't it? So Copenhagen, we just, you just, yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. But yeah, good. Um, obviously, that's all of the Champions League this week. We need mm-hmm. to wait till next week for the big boys to arrive um, as Arsenal take on Porto and Inter Atletico Madrid. I remembered that that's the tie that came up on my phone. I was like, oh, God, I can't wait yeah. for that. Um, I might be working on getting a ticket for that. I'm going to try really, 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 really hard. Um, but. Let's see. Um, the other talking points this week, Adam. What do we want to talk about? Should we talk? Should we do a bit of Premier League chat? Yeah, talk about why not? Crystal Palace. Why not? Let's break it up. So, why don't you introduce it? Well, let's do it. The news broke today that, um, sadly, uh, Roy Hodgson was taken ill in the training session um, and then had to go to hospital. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. So our thoughts are with him and his family at this time. We hope to see you up again soon, Roy. Um, but this has meant also that it looks like Roy Hodgson's gone. Mm-hmm. Have they announced that they've sacked him? No, still no. There's nothing, no. nothing's been confirmed. However, it is definitely set that Oliver Klasner will take over at Crystal Palace, which is probably going to appease a lot of the Crystal Palace fans, right, Roy? I think so. I think so. It's kind of an interesting one because when we've talked about who should go for it, who Palace should go for, we were looking at these project managers, these kind of philosophy mm-hmm. managers. But we was at, maybe it's just us being big old prem faces, <laughs> but we were only looking at managers yeah, who'd managed in the Premier League, and we were like, you know, Graham Potter, um, Steve Cooper, um, well, kind of these these. This is it. I think even Steve Parish hasn't necessarily shown that ambition to go abroad yeah. and get these talents, with the exception of Patrick Vieira, for example. But yeah, yeah, who's who's very much tied to the Premier exactly. League anyway, right? right? He's very much like. Um, but when I heard this, or when I first saw it, I was like, "Hmm, that is a really interesting mm. one." Like, I like yes. that idea. Like, obviously, his Frankfurt team were very, very good. I was looking at his. His league finishes, he had one season where he finished 11th, but the rest of them yeah. was like 7th, 4th. Yeah. I think he had a season up in 2nd, maybe. Um, he was really, really pushing them and getting great results out, mm-hmm. of the, out of those players, obviously developing a lot of players that we're now very familiar yeah. with. And I love the system that he plays, this 3-4-2-1, kind of uber-pressing. He's come mm-hmm. out of the a long time ago out of the Red Bull family. Yeah. So you know what kind of style of football you're going to get. You know what the the general idea is. Yeah. Um, but as I was looking at kind of reminding myself of his his tactics and his football, I was looking at the Crystal Palace squad as well and being like, there's a lot of players here that he could get quite a lot out of. Mm, I really yeah. like the idea of like, even a player like Jeffrey Schlupp, who his... <laughs> Yeah, his statistics actually aren't that bad. He chips in with quite yeah, a few yeah. goals for Palace. Him as wing back would be massive. Oh, yeah. I like the idea of, Ty- of Tyreek Mitchell getting full license mm-hmm. to go up and down the pitch. Um, I think obviously Elise and Eze when they're fit behind yeah, it's be a striker of yeah, yeah Odson Edward 
rather than Mateta, hopefully. <laughs> like, it feels like there's a lot there that mm. he could really play with. And even the three at the back, like, you've obviously got two centre-backs in Anderson and Guehi, who can both play, they can both yeah, play course, with the football, yeah. right? They can both pass. But even a player, and this is my Arsenal bias coming out, obviously. Now, Rob Holding isn't a ball-playing a ball playing no, no, defender, no, right? Don't do that. But in a three at the back with two mm-hmm. players who can, who can play the ball, I think he could do really well as just your non, no-nonsense centre-back mm. was just there to clear headers and get on get in the way. Because yeah. when Arsenal, whenever we were trailing in a game or winning a game and had to defend a lead, mm. it was Rob Holding who'd come on and help us see out the game. Yeah. So I think even a player like that with a three in the back, it could really be a revival for him as well. So I think there's a lot there to be quite excited about. What were your first impressions of this uh, this move? Yeah, I think I re- was reminded of that Europa Cup final uh, win against Rangers, um, that particular performance and that run-up, because obviously we saw... Kostic, for example, who's now at Juventus, his kind of contribution in that kind of run-up to that competition final. Jovic, for example, in the previous season, um, mm-hmm. playing a huge part alongside Adrian Silva, who we mentioned earlier, who now plays for Real Sociedad. Um, and yeah. what was fascinating, actually, I was reminded myself today, was looking at clips of how they played it. But also, uh, Rory, it was interesting, his kind of tactical philosophy in terms of training, for example. So he plays a seven on five kind of uh, move, which is basically you've got seven attackers, five defenders. But what they do is when uh, the team that's got the five defenders wins the ball, then there's two players that drop off from the seven to make a basically reversal. And it's basically then down to that midfield to compact and make sure that they kind of get the ball wow. back quickly, um, which was fascinating to watch. It must be like fascinating from a bird's eye view to watch that as well. But just seeing it in motion was incredible. And I was like, wow, this guy, the way he approaches it. Again, he's got this very much of philosophy that Pep kind of instills, which is lanes. Um, so across mm. the kind of sections, if a player is dragged out of position and someone drops back, for example, and yeah. what was really highlighted was uh, Dimitri Kamada, who now is at obviously Lazio and how much of a pivotal role he kind of plays. So even though Kamada was more of a defensive midfielder for Frankfurt, mm-hmm. for example, um, it was always the ball was going towards him and he would either drive with it on the right or left-hand side. So it was never necessarily always in the centre. However, when he yeah. got the ball, he was able to drive. And I think that was what gave him that prominence, I think, and as well as that build-up mm-hmm. to the World Cup. So obviously, I think just that kind of a fluidity of that style of play, I think that's going to be so appealing. And it'll be fascinating to see how that kind of transitions in the Premier League because I'm sure mm-hmm. against certain, time, certain teams even, that's going to be almost like a Deserby effect. It's going to be just yeah. like incredible to watch. So I think on the plus side, that's going to be really enticing for all Palace. Um, and he's got the credentials where he's won the DFB. Uh, oh, actually, sorry, they reached the final of DFB uh, yeah. final. Um, but he's managed to win a cup, obviously, in the Europa Cup which is what Palace fans really want. They want their team to be in Europe, at least competing for those European yeah, yeah. places. And I think, obviously, if he can just get them like an FA Cup or a League Cup, that would be the first stride in terms of yeah. getting him that place. But also for his career, I think that would be massive as well. Yeah, I think the thing that really encouraged me was just his league finishes. I was <laughs> like, he always finishes around the yeah. European places. Like with the teams he's got, it's always Europa League spots. Mm a Champions League spot, whatever. 
Like they're always around the European spots. I think his league performances have been very, very good. And all Palace fans are asking for is just a little bit of a kick on. So we're not going to say he's going to come in and they're going to get Champions League next year. No. But we might see them starting to flirt on the outsides of the Conference League. Yeah, right? sure. We might see them challenging later on in the FA Cup, maybe making a run at the League yeah. Cup, like you said. Just a little bit more ambition. I think it's a really, really exciting potential appointment because who knows, we're going to spend half an hour talking about him now and they're going to appoint <laughs> someone else. But as an idea, this would be a very nice appointment. Yeah. Um, um, just covering ourselves. Um, and I think I would be really, really excited to see him in the Premier League because I think 100%. obviously his time at Frankfurt just kind of came to an end. That was fine. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like every fan of clubs that he's been at really, really like him. They all have, mm. a, like, none of them really have a negative word to say about him. He did a very good job when he was in Austria um, with Lask. I think he did really well with yeah. them. So he's always been kind of just slightly punching above his weight with the clubs yes. that he's with, which is exactly what Palace needs. So I think, um, yeah, really, really exciting one. It's not how any of us wanted it to end for Roy. We've kind of said not, this. No. We, we all wanted... He, just, he should have just retired when he retired. I'm yeah. sorry, but he should have just... It was quite a nice send-off. And it, now this is just all a bit Soured. unedifying. Soured, and yeah. I really yeah. hope that... Yeah, and I, more importantly, I really hope it's not had a detrimental effect on his health. If you know what I mean? Like, sure. if this is... If this is like a serious illness, the stress of the last couple of months probably hasn't helped. You know what I mean? So I think we've all just got to hope that he's okay and he can put his feet Mm. up and actually, like, you know, slippers, relax or something Um, like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I think I've seen like Palace fans on Twitter as well, and they're all like, obviously, there's always knobheads on Twitter who are like, oh, well, you were just saying you wanted Roy out and now you don't want him to die or whatever. Just absolute knobs. But I've seen a lot of Palace fans having to defend the fact that they weren't happy with Roy just because yeah. he's now ill. It's like, no, we weren't happy with him, but that also doesn't mean I don't yeah. like... I still hope the bloke's still hope okay. he's alive, um, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, exactly. I just... So I just... But, the, like, and in the conversations, I've just heard a lot of the Palace or seen a lot of the Palace fans just saying none of us wanted it to end like this. Like, of we course, all know yeah. he's a Palace fan. We all know, like, none of them wanted, to, wanted it to end like this. But we hope that he's... Yeah, get better soon, yeah. Roy, please. Um... And yeah, but slightly exciting times for Palace fans, maybe. <laughs> it's all they've been asking for. It's all they've That's been it. asking for. Um, in Serie A, mm-hmm. um, Adam, what is the news in Serie A? There's been a very big vote. Yes, there was a big vote. And this was to look at reducing the amount of teams that participate in a season. So looking to reduce the current format from 20 teams to 18. Now, uh, I wouldn't surprise you, but there was four teams in particular that were keen to reduce this. And this was Milan, Inter, Juventus and Roma, the teams that are likely to be in the new format of the Champions League, where obviously this year's format is completely then scraps. It goes into league format and therefore they will accumulate more matches um, going forward. And obviously they were quite keen for a solution, should we say, whereby it made it a bit easier on the league campaign. Um, but in the unanimous vote, 16 to 4 against the proposal, it meant that it's going to be kept at 20 teams. Um which I think is no bad thing, but obviously the bigger clubs see a gripe of this because they're going to have to look at how they rotate the teams and make it fresh and still be able to be as competitive in elite campaigns as they are in Europe, shall we say. Um, Because, look, lots of teams, and the reason why Serie A kind of went the way of 20 teams was to compete to the likes of, you know, your Premier Leagues, La Liga, for example, as well, that have this format. But obviously 
they look at other kind of European neighbours like Germany, for example, where they've got only 18 teams. And they feel that's a huge benefit to the way that they kind of mm -hmm. work in terms of their progress in Europe as well. Um, so I can see merits from both sides, Rory. But I think overall, this was always about benefiting the big clubs so that they can accumulate more of the funds, for example, and that only makes them strengthened, whereas your smaller sides, let's say your Empolies, for example, it weakens them because they get lower revenues mm -hmm. from the kind of four games that would have been missed from this campaign. So I think it was a sensible decision on the whole. I'm glad that the majority did vote against it because I think Serie A has been great over the last few seasons has not been a detriment to those teams i mean if anything it probably helped them progress into the campaigns that they had in europe for example last season and the season beforehand so i think this is great news for Serie A. um how was your initial reaction to this vote um i think it's good that it's been voted down because i think we've talked a lot about how Italian lower league football really yeah. needs help, they right? Must. The game really needs development and it really needs investment. And I think pulling the, the ladder up a little bit higher doesn't service that no. at all. It does the exact opposite. And I think all it does is just kick two teams in Serie D down to Echelenza mm. and Echelenza down to whatever. Like, I think it's really good that teams like Carpi and Foggia, yeah. and these teams do get their go in Serie A, if you know what I mean. I know that like maybe it was the Lotito, maybe, who came out and said, like, what the fuck are we doing playing Carpi? Like, it's a village on the beach or whatever. <laughs> like, there's a lot of owners who really are not happy that some of these teams have the goal to get into right. Serie A, right? Um, but I think for the good of the Italian game, these teams coming up and having that, and now obviously the Serie A isn't the huge cash injection that one year in the Premier mm. League is but it's a big thing for a club right sure. you can you can set yourself as a solid Serie B Serie A mm. team and do that kind of yo-yoing or whatever it can be a real big platform like you're looking at a club like Empoli yeah. their whole model has been between Serie B and Serie A and producing talents yeah. and selling them on and like a team like that with two less places, maybe that never happens, yeah. right? Maybe a club like Sassuolo, I know they're owned by Mapai and it's not exactly a romantic story, <laughs> yeah. but maybe that club never happens, if you know what I mean. I think for the for the, for the the benefit of the Italian game, beyond the top four, because I can already hear a lot of Serie A people going, no, but we need the teams doing well in Europe. Beyond that, because that's not all I care about, that's sure. not really what I care about. I care about the, the game in Italy. I think you need to have a 20-team league where those yeah. teams do get the chance of one season. And it leads to more teams being more professional, whatever it is, yeah, having 100%. more infrastructure, being able to keep the academy going for an extra year, whatever it is. Yep. I just think it definitely will help the game in Italy much longer. And as you said, it's just the top teams being super um, selfish, which of course, of course they yeah. would, right? Every club would be selfish in, in, to suit themselves. Um, but it's just them, them being selfish and thinking, yeah, if we can rest a little bit more, because obviously the Champions League is going to bring more games. It yes. is going to bring more games um, and more dead rubbers. So look yeah. forward to them, guys. Um, but yeah, well, I think that's a good news story from Italy yeah, this week. I, I think, think that's, so. a, that's a bit of good news. Um, it will definitely help the game develop, fingers crossed. Mm. Um, but again, were there any more stories before doing online on-air admin? But I any think, more stories for what's going on? But let's let's allude to it now. And this was the kind of potential investigation to Inzaghi, right? So 
um, Inzaghi was uh, implemented by Bastoni's idiocy in a post-match interview against Roma, whereby um, he basically told a reporter that, um, yeah, Inzaghi's words inspired them at half-time. And um, just for context, basically, uh, Simeone Inzaghi was suspended for this match and as part of the regulations... And this is not just the kind of Serie A regulations. This is just generally, if you're suspended, you're not allowed to have any form of like influence or communication with the team at all. You are therefore you shouldn't be there. You, you can be in the stands, for example, but you cannot be present in the dressing room. You cannot be kind of anywhere where it could be deemed as uh, influencing mm-hmm. the kind of result or the players, etc. Um, so it came out to light that Bastoni kind of revealed that um, Inzaghi's spoke on like a speakerphone. Um, and then his assistant said, no, 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 no. Actually, we... we that we, didn't happen. <laughs> he basically went, no, this was something we played to the uh, players to be inspired, basically. So it was their interpretation of trying to navigate from this kind of he didn't have an influence over the team. This, this is a pre-recorded time. message. Especially, he was, yeah. We had a few scenarios yeah, yeah. recorded. Play like option A, B, yeah, C. Yeah. Yeah. If you're on two, <laughs> two, one down, press this button, right? Basically. Um, so yeah, um, it's now in the hands of FIGC who are going to investigate it, but Inter feel that they've got a case to say they did not manipulate the rules in such a way. But as you can imagine, Rory, Online went absolutely crazy, especially with Milan fans and Juventus fans. Um, I think my best comments were minus 10 points for Juventus. But um, (laughs) Um, Rory, thoughts on this? What do you reckon? It's just funny, isn't it? It's just funny because Bastoni is obviously just... I I can sympathise with anyone who speaks before they think because yeah. that's all I do. And I can just <laughs> imagine that he's just... It just made me laugh so much. Like an innocent slip of the tongue and then the assistant <laughs> manager, just the poor bastard, really having to be like, no, that didn't happen. I don't know what he's talking yeah, about. kicking Bastoni's like, legs, basically, at the same time. No. Fucking <laughs> Yeah, like, you're getting fined. Um... <laughs> But yeah, just funny, isn't it? That all this planning and all these things and all these like can all just fall apart. Football ultimately is still very, very amateurish. Down yeah, when you come down to like the brass tacks, it's still very amateurish. Um, and I love that. But it's a busy week for them because Acherby is also being I was gonna um, say, yeah, on the investigated for sticking the middle finger up at the Roma. Fans, it, I, I think um, it was trying to endear though, himself to Lazio. Very much again. justified given the abuse that it was around his him having cancer, mm-hmm. basically, and Roma fans just yeah. not giving it lightly to him being an ex-Lazio mm. player so I think it was fully justified probably not the right environment to do it but I, I think it was zero fucks given basically that was the vibes no. and I well this and I know like what they're going to say is you need to be a good role model there's kids watching etc but I also think football fans need to get a thicker skin yeah you can't just abuse someone for 90 minutes and be like, oh he said something to me it's not allowed <laughs> like you have to just have a thicker skin they yeah. have the right to reply especially when it's horrific chance like it was yes so yeah I think a charity fair play to you mate um and look, his career has really kicked on since the last winter, so it's been an absolute genius move for him. So fair play to him. Um, but guys, I think that is all the news yep, stories this week, much. basically. Um, so we're going to take a very quick break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to do our weekend previews for Premier League and Serie A. We will see you there. Hi, I'm David Wheeler, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian podcast. 
And we are back like we never left. It is time for the weekend preview. And we're going to start in Serie A. We're going to start in Italy. And Adam, do you want to take us through the Serie A fixtures? Yeah, I'm just going to do a bit of a rewind because we actually saw a game yesterday, which was Bologna winning against Fiorentina 2-0, which was a massive result for Bologna, given that both sides competing against each other, both hating each other as well because they're kind of Mm -hmm. very much close in that region. Um, but massive win because Orsolini and Odgaard again, Rory, scoring on the score sheets. So Bologna, superb Fiorentina on the other hand, showing that they are Fiorentina essentially and back to their normal service resumes yep. after that 5-1 win against Fiorentina. Um, so yeah, that really does kind of interest or intrigues that kind of top four, top five race at the moment between those kind of group of teams. But Rory, I will move on to the fixtures that are going to take place on Friday if you're listening to us right now. And we'll start off at 6pm where we've got Torino taking on Lecce. Lecce needing the points here, but Torino in good form. And then also at 8 o'clock tomorrow evening on Friday as you're listening to us, uh, it's Inter versus Salentana. Inter at home. I'm not expecting a shock here. but It's going to be a cricket score. Look, Fabio Livriani is having his first game at the helm of Salentana. So, yes, as you said rightly, I think it will be a cricket score. We'll move into Friday or Saturday's fixtures even, sorry. Um, early kickoff, 2pm, we've got Napoli taking on Genoa. That could be a fascinating tie, but I think the one that you're tipping here, Rory, was Hellas Verona at, taking on Juventus at 5pm. Uh, what's your hunch on this, Rory? I've got a feeling Verona at home. I, I, Verona always managed to fish themselves out of it, right? And I know I've kind of said that Verona and Empoli, I'm backing both of them, but I don't think both of them mm. can do it. Um, and I feel like Verona, we've talked about the, the signings they've brought in. They've kind of, it's Swiderski, yeah, right? Hopefully. He's going to get it done. Hopefully, hopefully. And that would condemn, was it a fourth unbeaten run or potentially not winning a game for Juventus which would be fascinating to see. Allegri today has been quoted as potentially being offered a new contract till 2026 which every fan apart from Juventus fans are rubbing their hands right now at that prospect. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> delighted. Everyone's yeah. delighted at that prospect because apparently it'll be a lower wage but higher bonuses so it's basically incentivizing Allegri to do something potentially. Um, we'll wait and see. Um, but I'll bring you back into terms of Saturday's games and this is a big game for Atalanta and I'm telling you this reason Aruri and people are listening Atalanta take on to swallow so in that respect probably nothing game for Atalanta I'd expect them to win this but if you look at Atalanta's run going forward Rory they've got a back-to-back against the big guns um, so mm. I believe if I'm not mistaken I'm going to quickly load up the fixture list for Atalanta but they've still got to take on in the next few games after this fixture so it's AC Milan away then they've got at uh, oh sorry um, so away to AC Milan yes away to Inter then they're at home to Bologna and then they're away to Juventus before taking a home game against Fiorentina and then away to Napoli. So that's pretty much all of March that they are back-to-back against the teams in around that space. So Rory, they really could do with a win against Sassuolo and I'm not expecting Sassuolo to do much in this match, but would you agree that they need the three points here? That is a rough one. That is a rough (laughs) run of fixtures. That is such a rough run of fixtures. Yeah, 
they massively need the win, but as bad as Sassuolo are and have been, we know that they do have the propensity to just turn up score <laughs> four, three, and score four, three, and win. Like, it's just when, when they don't expect it, we don't expect it, no one expects it, and it happens. So I think, look, I, I think Atalanta this year have had the cutting edge and had that kind of bloody-mindedness to be fairly consistent. Yeah. So I think, yeah, they should get the job done here, but yeah, massive. If they don't win this, then you're starting to look at that run and going, okay, when's the next win coming? Yeah. Um, pretty rough. That's it. So we're moving to Sunday's fixtures. Big one to start us off at 11.30. We've got Lazio taking on Bologna. So that will be a massive game for both sides. Still in the hunt for fourth and fifth places. So could Bologna follow up? I, I've got a good feeling for Bologna, but yeah, good match mm-hmm. there. Then we've got Empoli taking on Fiorentina at 2 p.m. David Nicola hopefully following up with that victory against Salernitana. So that'll be massive for Empoli if they could get a win against Fiorentina. Then we've got the uh, draw specialist, Rory Udinese, taking on Calgary. Uh, Calgary really need the points at the moment to pull them out of the relegation places at the moment. And then going into 5pm, Rory, we've got kind of a Rome derby. because We've got Frozen at home against Roma. And obviously, as you spoke to me offline, Di Francesco, Going back to his old stamping ground, he was a player at Roma. Uh, be good to see if he could pull off a result against Roma. But Roma, obviously, with De Rossi, uh, I think probably have enough to overpower this frozen on inside. But you can never mm. know with these kind of games. And then we'll I think, go on. So I think De Rossi might have been coached by Di Francesco when he was at Roma. It De Rossi wouldn't surprise me, actually. No, that, that's probably it true. It must have been. So... It will kind of be master yes. in inverted <laughs> commas of Di Francesco taking, taking on, on another legend, basically. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it'll be an interesting one. As I said, Frosinone's home record has definitely been better than their away record. So I think um, going there can be tricky. It'll be an interesting one. There's a lot of narrative in this one. And yeah, as you said, it's a kind of Lazio as in the region yes. derby. Um, so yeah, kind of interesting one there. Could be mm. lots of goals in that one. I think Frosinone usually the, the, their yeah. games have a lot of goals. Exactly, exactly. And then we'll move into the late kickoff. A bit of a Milan derby, not into Milan just yet, but it is Monza at home to Milan. Could be a good game there, Rory, because there's always been goals in these kind of fixtures before in the past. Um, it'd be good to see Monza maybe be a bit more aggressive with their style of play of late they haven't really been grinding out a lot of results um could mm. do with a win just to stabilize their kind of mid-table position i would say because otherwise i, I would worry potentially they might get start to get dragged into it mm-hmm. um but yeah could be a fascinating match and Rory, that is all of your Serie A fixtures for this weekend well i personally I'm very excited. Yes. Um, let's go to the Premier League where we've got some big games this weekend, all starting on Saturday at the half 12 mm. kickoff. We have Brentford hosting Liverpool. This is a this game again could kind of go either way, really. I think Brentford yeah, at home is always a tricky one. They've definitely got some decent results against Liverpool in the mm. past. Liverpool, we talked about in the last game um, with the 3-1 win. They were fairly fortunate. I think 3-1 slightly flattered them. Sure. Um, but this is a chance for them to put a statement down, get that win on the board, and then sit back and relax and see how Arsenal and City do, right? This yeah, is just 100%. what what has got to be done now. I think with Brentford, obviously Tony is starting to kind of find form again, scored a few yeah. goals already. 
Um, they'll have Umbremo back from the AFCON. That's huge yeah. for them. Um, so I feel like there could be, um, yeah, it could be a, a revitalized Brentford that's ready to take on Liverpool. But as we've seen with Liverpool, they'll probably just score four goals and get the job done because they're pretty ruthless at this point. Um, the first of the three o'clock kickoffs on Saturday, we have Burnley hosting Arsenal, the team that have scored the most set pieces in the league against the team that have conceded the most set pieces in the league. Um, that's all I'm going to say about this because, yep, that's yep. all I'm going to say. Um, the next ones of the three o'clock kickoff, we have Newcastle taking on Bournemouth, Eddie Howe hosting his old friends. Um, Newcastle, a lot of fun this year, right? Conceding lots of goals, scoring lots of goals. Bournemouth, a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Scoring lots of goals, conceding lots of goals. I think this game will definitely therefore be nil-nil. But I think this could be a very interesting game. Um, I kind of fancy Bournemouth to get at least a draw there. I think the St. James's Park isn't quite the fortress it once was. Nope. Um, And the final... Nope. Well, loads of three o'clock kickoffs this weekend. Yeah. Um, Fulham hosting Aston Villa. Aston Villa desperately need to get back in form. Obviously, unlucky with that loss against Manchester United, but on a bit of a bad run now. I think Fulham, if it was Fulham at home, they've been pretty decent, though. What Do you think Villa can get something here for like Fulham at Craven Cottage? I think for Vill- right. Villa's point of view, they really could do with something as a scrappy win at this moment in time. We mm-hmm. did kind of allude to it on Monday night's review. Um, but I think potentially Fulham have enough to overcome this Villa side. Potentially, mm-hmm. it might be a share a piece, a point a piece, should I say. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like Villa really needs something to come off the backside of someone just to get a point right now. Mm. Um, and their fans would crave that at the moment just to kind of turn their fortunes around. And I think for Emery's sake as well, I think you know his yeah. mind is probably doing cartwheels at the moment. He's probably overthinking things right now and whether he should go on the bus to London or not. So um yeah, probably could do with a win, but let's see. I, I, I fancy this Fulham side at the moment. Yeah, at home, they're very, very dangerous. Uh, we have Nottingham Forest taking on West Ham, two teams desperate. Yes. Speaking of teams desperate for a win, Nottingham Forest hosting West Ham. Um, Forest just, they've been slightly improved in their style of play. I think there's been a bit of an improvement in their performances, yeah. but they're just not getting the results. Yeah. I feel like even a player like Alanga has been putting in some really good performances. Awani is always super dangerous. Mm. Obviously, West Ham coming off that 6 0 hammering. This is vital that they get something here. I think if they don't get at least a draw against Forest, things start to get really bad for David Moyes, right? Yeah, I think it becomes a bit more toxic than it has been. Obviously, it was demonstrated in the last game. That was quite bad. Um, Just quickly on the Forest piece, I think obviously what's desperately missing for them is someone of a pinnacle kind of focal point in the attack at the moment and Chris Wood being off at the moment is looking at his um, notes at the moment looks like he's out till March so that is quite a big miss um, when you consider I think Diva Corrigi is also injured as well Um, so uh, he's not really necessarily a miss but I'm just a kind of floating kind of target men here Rory Um, but yeah it's going to be a lot of reliance potentially on midfielders to contribute and maybe a bit more reliance on Morgan Gibbs-White here. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, both sides need a result here, don't they really, to be fair. And I think it might be going the way of Forest, but that's only because of mm-hmm. home advantage. That's the only reason why I'm saying that. Um, but yeah, West Ham, they've got the probably the quality against the two sides. I think, you know, in Jared Bowen and Kudos, you've got two fantastic attacking players in the absence of Pacatea. So, um, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's wait and see. But it could be an interesting game, though. Equally, it could be very goal frenzy, right? Yeah, no, I think I, I think that could be an interesting one. And the final one of the three mm. o'clock kickoffs, a super interesting one: Tottenham taking on Wolves at um, the new White Hart Lane or whatever it's called. <laughs> um, Wolves, I think, obviously having a fantastic season. Cunha, come on, mate, you're in my fantasy side. He's injured. He's injured. Is he injured? Yeah. I'm going to have to take him so out. God damn it, Cunha. I was going to raise as part of this, though, what did you make of the news that Wolves have to sell potentially a netto um, because to balance the FFP rules as well? Um, yes, apparently Tottenham, you wouldn't be surprised, are sniffing around him. So, um, yeah. We've been linked with him for a while as well. Arteta has been a long-term admirer of Pedro Neto, and I need to see him and Martinelli in the same team <laughs> because we would absolutely butcher people. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see who Neto goes to because, my God, that guy is super, super rapid and his output is just insane. But I think this game will be really good. Tottenham Wolves, I think that'll be a fascinating one. I think um, Tottenham will probably get the job done, but I think Wolves will yeah. push him fairly far with that one. Um, and then the late kickoff on Saturday, it was 4 all last time. I don't know if it will be that this time. Um, Manchester City taking on Chelsea. Is it going to be as chaotic? I feel like Man City are just going to, like, yeah. first five minutes, shot in the back of the head, game over. <laughs> yeah, Let's pretty, just much, see this one pretty out, right? much. I think it's going to be annihilation. I'd be surprised if Man City don't score more than two goals and uh, they don't keep a clean sheet. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Way, guys. Chelsea are so bad. Um, <laughs> and on Sunday, we have Sheffield United taking on Brighton. Um, we have <laughs> Luton Town hosting Manchester United. Now, this is Luton Town at home, have caused problems to every single team. Yeah. Right? Arsenal scraped through with a win, Spurs scraped through with a win, Liverpool drew. Mm. Um, all the big teams have gone there and really struggled. So now it's Manchester United's turn, right? Yes. I think. If there's any game that can end this Manchester United kind of mini revival, it is Luton Town and Ogbeni. Yeah. Um, how do you feel this one going? Yeah, I've got a feeling that Luton Town could pull off a shock here. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily deem it as a shock anymore because Luton Town have been so, so superb, really, for this season. Um, but yeah, I do feel there were signs in the last few games where Man United have been a bit lethargic in terms of their approach. They've been very lexical um although you know they've seemed to have got the balance up top i think if you think about the way luton are going to play and approach it i think they're going to pen man united into their half and i think that's Mm. where they kind of struggle they don't know what to do sometimes so it'll be very much a case of do they exploit the wings to kind of get the likes of garnacho and rashford onto the wings as soon as possible to counter-attack i'll be surprised if we see anthony turn up for this match um but yeah i i you know, I just think potentially Luton are going to do their very best to just stifle that midfield and just make sure that they can get to the second ball or first ball and just go at them. Just go, all you have to do is run at that defence, and I think if you run at their defence, they still give up. That's it. Yeah, Manchester United still give up a lot of chances. Mm-hmm. They still give up a lot of chances. And Luton, uh, if anything, they are clinical. Apart from last week against Sheffield yeah, well, United, that, yeah. they are very clinical. When they get chances, they tend to take them. So that'll be a really interesting one. Lovely bit of Sunday night, a Sunday afternoon viewing yeah. that. And then on Monday night, we have Everton taking on Crystal Palace. I feel like this is a big one. If Everton win this, they kind of start to drag themselves a bit out of trouble. Yeah. If they lose this, Crystal Palace have basically got what it would be seven points between them then and it would mm. basically kind of see off 
Crystal Palace's relegation worries, I think. I think this is actually a really big game for a Monday night. Yeah. Um, probably why they've put it on Monday <laughs> night. But how do you think this one could go? Goodison Park, under the lights, the level of booing could be insane, Adam. <laughs> for both sides, right? Lots of booing. Yeah, Depends yeah. who's the manager, right? Um, but yeah I, yeah, I think this could be fascinating, as you allude to. Um, I'm not necessarily thinking off the top of my head that, you know, I'm looking at the form of Everton. They haven't been great. As much can be said of Crystal Palace as well, to be fair. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to look at their kind of last few results. I think they were just unlucky against Man City in that game because, yeah, they did hold them off till about 70th minute mark. So the only thing that I think that worries me, uh, Rory, is the lack of goals from an Everton perspective. Um, so I, I feel like... Crystal Palace probably have the edge in that department. They might be a bit more clinical up top, just maybe not as defensively mm-hmm. minded. So, yeah, it'd be fascinating. If, as well, Rory, I think this could be the interesting bit. If they've got the manager, will the new manager bounce count in the favour of Crystal Palace? I don't know for sure, but you know these kind of things do tend to happen, don't they? So, um, he's not going to have a lot of time to spend with his players by all accounts, I would imagine, but yeah, there's always that kind of new manager bounce, players wanting to impress. Um, so we'll wait and see. But yeah, the only thing for from an Everton perspective is the lack of goals from the likes of Calvert-Lewin. Because I yeah. think I want to say, it's, isn't it something like 17 games now without a goal? It's been a while. It mm. has been a while. And even Beto has not hit the ground running at all. He can barely get a start, can he? So I no. think it's not looking great there. Um, but yeah, it will be an interesting game to see. The booing could register on the Richter scale. We will see. Um, it will be interesting. But, guys, we're going to leave the weekend preview there, I think. There's everything done. A great weekend ahead, hopefully. Um, definitely. Um, and we're going to take a very, very quick break, and we're going to come back with Tiki Takato. See you there. And welcome back to Tiki Taka Toe. It is time for the world's famous favorite quiz as me and Adam go head to head in a game of Tic Tac Toe based on this week, the return of Champions League football. We have gone for European football. So in the grid along the top, we have managed by Guardiola, Juventus and Inter. And along the side, we have Espana, teammate of Robin and Lazio. Instantly, I am terrified. <laughs> yes. um, now, I think I went... You went no, first last I week. Went so I think first. I need it's to your go, turn this time. Yeah. I need to go first this week. So, um, Juventus and teammate of Robin, oh, um, okay. I'm going to try to do. And I think I'm going to... Now, who has Robin played for? He's played for Chelsea. He's played for Bayern Munich. Those are the main ones. Yep. So I need someone who was at Bayern Munich and Juventus. I'm going to go for Mandzukic. And it's right. Oh, thank God for that. I'm going to block you then. Uh, managed by Guardiola and teammate of Robin. I'm going to go Frank Ribery. Ribery. Of course, I forgot Guardiola was at bloody yeah, Bayern. Bayern. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. not how you spell it. Ribéry. There we go. Franck. Very nice. Okay. So I'm going to have to go Lazio and Juventus. Um, and I'm going to go for um, Nedved. Good shout. Very good. 
Um, so it's block you, España and Juventus, Alvaro Morata. Yeah, that was in my back pocket. Yeah, God damn it. I know. Alvaro Morata. Okay, so Spanish and managed by Guardiola is just an absolute sitter. So yep. um, David Silva. Yeah, well done. Uh, we talked about this guy, so I'm going to have to block you, Rui. Lazio and Inter, Francesco Acerbi. Acerbi, the big man. man. Okay, so I need to think of one that, oh God, managed by Guardiola and Lazio or Inter and Spanish. Inter and Spanish <laughs> is very difficult, I think. Yeah, I was trying to think I'm about trying... this. This is quite difficult, isn't it, when you think about it? I'm trying to think of Spanish teams who play Spanish players who play for Inter, and it's not a it's not you know like you one. have countries that you mm. you associate with teams. Spain is not one I associate with Inter. If anything, Rory, there's um, been a lot more Spanish players playing for Milan than there has been for Inter, right? Yeah, I can think of loads of Spanish not... players for Milan, but Inter doesn't feel like they've had many. Um, this is where we will be found out, Rory, at the end of this. We'll start thinking about them. Um, but yeah, nothing springs to mind initially. So so I'm going to do Lazio and manage by Guardiola, and I'm going to go for Pedro. Pedro, good shout. Um, 1987, I imagine it's that one, right? Yeah, it's got to be, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah there we go. Correct. So you've got me this bit of a dilemma, or do I call you bluff? Uh, because I technically have to block you. Um, I don't know if this player did, but did for Inter and Spain. I'm going to go for it, Rory. Solari? Or was he Argentinian? That is a massive shout. Was he Argentinian? I don't know. No. (sighs) I've got a funny feeling he was Argentinian. Maybe he was Argentinian. Yeah, maybe I thought he was Spanish because he played for Real Madrid. Yeah. That's where I was thinking with this one. So you could steal this, Rory. You've just got to work it out. <laughs> yeah, I could if I could think of a Spanish player who's played for Inter. Um, oh, why is Joaquin coming into my head? That's not right. Um, oh God, I need to think of those like really weird years that Inter had when Do they you know were just what? terrible. They seem to have loads of Portuguese players. That's all I can think yeah, of. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I bet there's people screaming at us, Rory, going, Um, why the hell have you not said X player? No, I know, yeah, people are screaming it. But we can't can't (laughs) think of it. getting, like, random plays, like, Ruben Barajas is coming into (laughs) my head, and I'm like, that guy never played anywhere apart from Valencia. Uh, God, I hate this game. Um, No, there's just stupid names coming into my head because I'm just not thinking. (sighs) Yeah. Mendieta, I this, know it's this fucking is the wrong. one I was gonna go with. That's the one I was gonna go. With. No, it's not right. <laughs> That's it's fine. Right. Um, right. I think it's a draw, Adam. I think it is, mate. To be honest, I'm just trying to think. Luis Suarez. No, it's that not that. Luis not Suarez. Luis Suarez. Yes. Um, old, old Luis Suarez. The other Jesus ones Christ. that I had, Rory, according to um, Google, is Borja Valero, um, oh. and. And Martin Montoya, he played for Barcelona, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah, so. Borja is annoying because I watched him a lot. Yeah. That's so. annoying. 
There I always go. figured he was Argentinian or something. I just I, I didn't think he was from anywhere. I never thought about <laughs> where he was from. Um, yeah, oh, well. good. Wow, Not that a was a difficult one. That, that was, was a really difficult, difficult one. Um, but I think we all learned something along the way. And maybe there was. I'll tell you what, listener. If you were there shouting Luis Suarez, then absolutely fair play, fair play to you because yeah. you, you, you know your shit. <laughs> um, but, guys, I think that's everything for this week. We are yeah. done on that note. Um, a lot of draws. We need to... We need to sharpen up. Now. We need to sharpen up, and uh, I'm going to have a few practice rounds um, away from the, away from the pod. I think. Um, but Adam, anything to say before I send these people off with their have lovely weekends? Well, just to say, if you can give us a review on your favorite platform, it'll be really appreciated. Uh, we did come across one reviewer, so we do apologize to that reviewer if we didn't satisfy their needs. Unfortunately, we did annoy them, Rory. But other than that, Rory, I'm not going to spoil I it for the. Did. I'm not going to spoil I it for listener. They should go and have a look at this review um but otherwise if they can do us a really big favor and just get onto tiktok download it follow us and then delete the app we'd be happy with that right rory so that's all we need our followers to do i know there's only 30 of them but if they could do that that'd be really appreciated right (laughs) it would be very very useful so yeah at anglo italian pod if you do fancy um joining the 21st century and getting on tiktok and seeing all our incredible output and content there um as always you can find us on instagram also at anglo italian pod you can find us on twitter at italian anglo pod and you can join us on monday evenings at half past eight gmt for our monday night euro review show where we'll be looking back at all the fantastic action that will definitely happen this weekend And we've got a guest to be revealed. We have a guest, exciting times, who will be joining us with links to Italian football and Italian football Mm. coverage as well. So very exciting times. Um, We will see you on Monday. And as always, this time, we do have a quote to send you off. I just need to unlock my phone. And here we go. It could only be from one person, of of course, this week. From Oliver Glasner, soon to join the Premier League. You can win trophies by spending a lot of money or you can win trophies by building unity. Unity in the team, in the club and with the fans. Thank you guys. We will see you next time. Ciao. Adopt. Ciao, ciao. Podcast Network.